Welcome to AU City, a hopefully helpful but mostly chaotic creativity podcast where neurodivergence is let loose, who let the dogs out style, and where fuck around and find out is a way of life. Like today I made myself and am currently drinking a blue raspberry coffee. It's pretty fucked up. It's an abomination. We'll talk about that later. I try not to be judgy, but I'm judging. I'm judging. I'm judging myself. It's okay. (laughs) Speaking of, I'm your co-host, Ray Noble. My pronouns are he, they. I am an author of spite-fueled novels and gays who flirt by calling each other bro way too often. I like my love interests filled with hearts of gold, but hidden underneath grimy asshole exterior (laughs) or with golden retriever vibes. I almost tried to say vibes. I don't know what vibes is. (laughs) Point being, I've got a thing for gold. You could say that I'm aesthetically pleased by it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you just say grimy asshole exterior? I I did. I can't with you. Okay. We're off to a great start today. I'm your other co-host, V Park, pronouns she, they. Originally hailing from the West Coast, I platonically call people babe and romantically call people of all genders bro or dude, but I'm far too bisexual to actually flirt, so my love language is (laughs) offering to fight your enemies on your behalf. Also, light slams on roller skates. Thank you for joining us. Speaking of aesthetics and vibes, as a creative project manager, I used to kind of be torn between my inner chaos demons, like no plan, only create and the frightening array of shiny process tools that I've collected in my various professions. But I've recently come to realize that chaotic vibes and orderly aesthetics aren't mutually exclusive. So in other words, like chaos doesn't have to be messy and order doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. It's like some people think in A to Z while others skip like a Fibonacci sequence. So today we're going to be talking about the literal how of our processes. In Ray's case, that might look like what Ray needs to create according to Ray's process. For me, it might look like planning to go with the flow or reordering the steps as I go so that they fit my vibe of the day. When it comes to neurodivergent creatives, one of the most important things we can do is find hacks to our brains, which is what we need in order to flip the switch in our brains to enter focus and or create mode. So for those familiar with the tarot, this is what I like to call my magician mindset. Although the technical term for what I I guess I'm referring to is (laughs) hyperfocus. Neurospices all know what I'm talking about. So both V and I have made a small list of what helps us successfully focus. And today we're going to break it down for you guys because we don't see a lot of these tips out in the world. I am particularly excited for this episode because as an ADHD person, I have a very specific set of need set of needs. Uh, but up until the last month, I literally forgot them because we've been in a pandemic and I've moved four times and things happened. So once those things are out of sight and out of mind, I forgot them all. So yeah, we've had, we've had a really difficult few years. Yeah. I mean, if by difficult, you mean that I might actually have to implement the zombie apocalypse protocol that I've been perfecting since I was 15. Yeah. Then that tracks. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I figured instead of coming up with our own zombie apocalypse protocol here, we would go ahead and do a deep dive on what makes the best fuck around session possible. Oh, that's dirty. It's not as dirty as the uh, grimy asshole comment from earlier, but I digress. <laughs> there goes that explicit rating again. Oh, damn. But you know what? This is also a no shame podcast. And I feel it's important to point out. Um, 
But anyway, back to science in the art, as we like to say, uh, you know, as neurodivergent people ourselves, Ray and I know firsthand that not all writing or creative advice is made for everyone. In fact, in my experience, most of it is indirectly ableist and privileged to the point of exclusion. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm not just speaking as an author, but from 10 years as a publishing professional, most recently seven solid years as a literary agent advising authors on industry standards that definitely are not built on attitudes and inclusion. Um, but I digress. So for today's telly episode, we want to focus on working with what we have, breaking down what works for our brains in case it helps some of our listeners and also helping each other, which is one of our favorite things to do is help each other by helping ourselves. A quick D disclaimer, a key belief of this podcast is that no tool is a perfect fit for every person, task or situation. No advice is ever going to be universally applicable, especially if it's based on subjective experience, which most of our advice is just by nature of the fact that we're people, peopling, and telling you what we learned. So take what works for you, try it out, and leave the rest. And yeah, that's pretty much the, that's the D for today. Uh, Ray, you want to get us started off with the stuff that works for you? I shall. It is time. So most importantly for me, and so one of the first things I wanted to address today are the physical needs. I need to be able to write anywhere, and so I've tailored my needs for that. However, it does seem pretty needy. It does seem pretty needy. And I will like totally preface the fact that not every person needs as much stimulation as I do when I'm trying to create hyper-focus or when I'm just really trying to get work done. Um, however, one of the biggest things and most important things for me is having some sort of like TV or movie in the background. And I am not paying attention to this movie whatsoever. I am actively just using it for like something to look at for a moment when my eyes are not on the screen. I just want to pay attention when my brain needs a break from whatever I'm writing. Uh, so honestly, and this is the easiest thing to be swapped out, uh, you can easily be just in a physical place, like a park, a coffee shop, wherever you enjoy working uh, and use that instead of a TV or movie in the background. But mostly it's some sort of background stimulation that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm working on just needs to allow me to know what I'm focusing on, if that makes any sense. However, I also have a tendency when I'm doing this to put in noise canceling headphones. I usually have um, like actual earbuds, but I have like two or three different sets pending where I'm going because I am a headphone connoisseur. It's a problem. But the reason I do this and the reason that I have so many different options is because I utilize not just music, but also white noise or brown noise for when I am trying to stimulate my focus. Another thing that works and that you can trade out if you don't like pure white noise is like ambient or lo-fi videos. They are so, so, so nice. It is YouTube is a plethora of beautiful random backgrounds with ambient noises just because. So you could be like having a, your own little Yule fire log in the background, or you could be in some magical dark forest. I have seen so many cool ones and they're just, they're awesome. And they're so helpful just to have chilling being your little focus buddy and also kind of creating the vibes. I don't want to derail you, but can I ask you a question about that? Of because hearing you talk about this and your, your needs and your wants of, of what makes you feel like in the mood to create, do you feel like part of the why behind you wanting that is because there's a part of your brain that feels like quiet is too loud Yes, always. That's exactly it. I wonder um, if there's a correlation between yeah, that I, and I either have to have like if I am in a situation where I can't do all of these things, 
I will insist on quiet. And even then it like, I can only do focus. It focuses in about like five minutes, if that makes sense, rather than like having a hyper focus of like 20 minutes. Cause yeah, quiet is too loud. I can hear every detail around me when there is supposedly silence. (laughs) And I don't like that. I think that's something that, that deserves to be studied by someone, probably not us. But I do think that that's really interesting, um, especially when you describe the types of things that you're not just doing, you know, like your visual stuff in the background, you've got sound stuff in the background. It's almost like you're distracting your your subconscious that wants to go off and play by itself. Yeah, that's basically exactly what I'm doing. I am trying my best to, to focus primarily on my characters. And when you have a brain like mine. I have got so much going on at any different time just because it's just how my brain works. I have layers on top of layers on top of layers. It's an onion. So uh, you have to kind of force your brain to focus in on something. And the best way for me to do that is by just literally overstimulating every other sense that I have. Uh, and luckily I don't need to do anything like fidgety or with my hands most of the time because I'm typing. I'm actually, you know, actively hands-on keyboard a lot of the time, or if I'm not typing, this is the time that I would be like brainstorming. And so I'd be like physically writing things down in a notebook. So I don't need that physical fidget in the same way. So instead it's like what I would need physically ends up just being a third additional need for a stimulant for my brain. <laughs> Interesting. It's very really strange. Like Thank you. So, yeah. so Lots that, of- it sounds like that's, you've, you've described most of the elements. I think I'm kind of picturing it now. Have we missed anything for the perfect vibe? Not particularly, especially I will say if I am in my own like writing space in my own desk area, I also really, really, really utilize lighting, uh, which I know is very strange. But I have a very ridiculous sensitivity to like LED blue lights. I do not like them. I don't like daylight light very much. Uh, So I usually have to be in some sort of warm light or like a colorful light, which is ridiculous. But my uh, current light setup that I have, you can't really see it, but I've got like a green light over here and a warm light over here. And the green is the malachite color that I told you about the other day that I'm obsessed with. And yeah, so like that sort of vibe is exactly like kind of what I needed for like the emotions that I was writing last night. And I've just kind of stuck with it because I like this color vibe. And that's, yeah, that's really the only other thing that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I love that. I mean, your environmental situation honestly almost sounds like a little writer terrarium. Like you're creating a little creative habitat for yourself. I dig it. Thank you. Um, In my case, I I haven't really given a lot of thought to this because I guess it's not one of my major things. Like to me, I don't really exist in a physical space. Like honestly, in a perfect world, if I could be non-corporeal and like only choose to be corporeal when I was like, I'm a person who, you know, wants to like lives a lot inside my head. And so as a child, I wonder if there's a correlation between like your needs for setting the perfect scene for creativity and my needs for setting the perfect scene to like something back in our childhood, like probably you should probably talk to a therapist about it but anyway um you know I feel like in my case I've, I've definitely found like the biggest hurdle to figuring out how my creative brain works best was first and foremost learning and embracing how I learn um I'm gonna get real nerdy with you for a second so if you've never heard of VARC it's a sociological theory that attempts to categorize people's most innate learning styles the four core learning styles in the VARC model with V-A-R-K include visual, auditory, reading, writing, and key, reading, writing are together and kinesthetic. So if you're mm. curious, I'm not going to go into it. I promise. I don't, I'm not going to go into a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, 
if you're curious, you can Google it. There's like a bunch of places online where you can take a questionnaire for free. But in my case, I really wish that I had known about this sooner because it really took me like 30 years to realize that I am a kinesthetic learner, which is also called like a multimodal learner. So it basically means that I learn by doing. It also means that I don't always process or retain information fully until I've tried it a couple of different ways. So like, for example, when I was learning how to play roller derby, my coach would explain Mm -hmm. a drill and I'd hear it, but I wouldn't actually know how to do it until after I'd done it myself. And then once I'd done it, it was like locked, like I could do it forever. Um, Even if I'd seen someone else demonstrate it, no matter how many times I heard the instructions, trying it was the best way for me to get it down pat. So when it comes to writing a book or a screenplay or a graphic novel or a podcast, I mean, I can sit down, I can read every how-to manual under the sun. You know, I can attend every conference, teach hundreds of workshops, and I can get pretty familiar with like a subject matter. But as a creator, until I jump in and actually do the thing, I don't really know for sure that I can do the thing. And for me, I don't know if it's like that confidence of knowing like you can do it because you've done it before or you you can do it because you're literally doing it right now. It's like that you're doing it, Peter, you know, thing. Um, I don't like literally like fuck around and then find out is often my ideal order, which for many people is the opposite. It's like find out, learn how to do the thing, read the tutorials, whatever, then try it. So that's kind of what I meant before when I said that not everyone's order is in order. Mine is more iterative, which I'll go into more in a second. But basically, my number one tip is, first of all, figuring out how you learn, like what's your best learning style. Yeah, I think that is really important, especially for neuro spicy people like us, because we are not catered to in a learning environment almost ever. And so it's very difficult for us to understand how we process best. And without being able to do that, you kind of are at a disadvantage for a very long time in a lot of things because you don't know how best to like practice for yourself and how best to like make things work in your brain. Um, and honestly, like these entire explanation is also the main reason for like why I'm a pantser, honestly, (laughs) which I know sounds weird and may come out of nowhere considering that B is the exact opposite in this regard. But especially when it comes to like storytelling in general, I just like to fuck around and find out what works. Well, you know, we're going to talk about that later too, because I have a theory about that as well. No, I love that. I just, I just really like that because it's familiar, but in a different way for me, if that makes sense. So I just enjoyed that a lot, Uh, but I will stop rambling and I will move on to my next one. My next one, I think is something that many of us already utilize in some way or another, but music (laughs) is a massive need for me when I'm writing. Uh, which is hilarious because if all I have is music, I can't focus. (laughs) I need another external stimulant, like I've already mentioned. However, also the only way I know a story is a like capital B book actually can exist is if it has a playlist. If I am able to find a song that just completely fits the vibe or fits a moment, really just fits a scene or a character in some way that makes my heart throb then yeah, I know I have a book in front of me. And so usually I have at least one playlist for like the book as a whole. And if I have multiple POVs, which I unfortunately usually do, (laughs) the POVs and their like their specific characters get playlists. I utilize whatever music I'm feeling for the vibe. It can be lyrical, instrumental, whatever depends on, it really just depends on how my brain is doing in the moment and what sort of stimulation I need. 
if my so-called brain buzz <laughs> is too much, then I might need lyrical as another brain st um, stimulant. But if I'm feeling more in my zone, feeling more focused, I'll pick instrumental. But I have a lot of playlists at the ready, just in case. <laughs> That's actually a really good kind of segue to my, my next, like how things work for me too, because as we all know, playlists can be played in order or they can be shuffled where songs, you know, kind of pop up in whatever order, or even repeat as you listen. So again, I'm going to nerd out for a sec, sorry. In project management, there, there are a bunch of different methodologies for ordering your projects and processes. And for me, when I say projects and processes, project could be, you know, your work in progress process can be, how do I do this chapter or how do I draft? How do I revise, et cetera. Um, but I want to really very quickly kind of talk about two major process approaches that we may have seen a million times, but never really heard named. So the first one is waterfall, which is the most classic model. It's what most neurotypical people tend to prefer. And it's how most things are taught, you know, from school, elementary and on. Um, it's very sequential. It's very predictable. The best analogy for waterfall method is building a house. Like you have to do the foundation before you can put up the walls. You can't install the roof until the walls are up, so on and so forth. You'll notice that a lot of novel writing advice in particular really follows this methodology where you basically start at chapter one and you keep writing until you get to the end. Then you go back and you revise from start to finish and you go back and copy edit from start to finish, so on and so forth. If you're like me, that is not how your brain works. And it's also mm -hmm. arguably a huge waste of effort because my brain isn't waiting to revise until it hits the revision step. If you're like right. me... Yeah, you're constantly iterating or reworking and applying what you're learning as you go at all times. So mm -hmm. for people with ADHD or, you know, things that are similar on that spectrum, the agile approach is likely a better fit for you. And in contrast to the linear nature of a waterfall project management style, like agile project management is an iterative system, which means that every part or phase is broken up into many smaller pieces and they can often be worked on simultaneously which is also why it's great for the point of this podcast, collaborative storytelling. So, uh, you know, having this emphasis, especially for me, uh, living in a chaos world as we do, uh, <laughs> Agile has an emphasis on being very adaptable and kind of pivoting to embrace change. Um, you know, screws fall, fall out all the time. The world is a, is a very chaotic place. So yeah. when, I'm, when I'm writing a book or more likely several books at once or like a book and a I podcast know. and a screenplay, because <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't only do one thing. Um, this Aww. might look like me making a rough list of scenes for the entire book and then jumping around to draft and revise those scenes as I'm figuring out what works best, like adding details, strengthening character mm -hmm. arcs as I go. If yes. I wake up in a revision state of mind, you know, and, and I know I tell you this all the time, like I can be polishing the scenes I wrote the day before, or I can be jotting down funny lines of dialogue in a notebook for a scene that I haven't even written yet, because I know I'm eventually going to get back to it later to an yes, outward observer. And this is something that I never have to explain to you, which is, I think, why we get along so well. Like, it, it looks chaotic <laughs> from an outward perspective, you know, but for someone who struggles to start and finish tasks, if they feel too big or too detailed for my vibe yeah. of the day, this kind of agile methodology, it allows me to never lose momentum and to kind of embrace the chaos as the creative fuel that it actually is. A lot of people will apologize for, oh, you know, it takes me longer than this, or like I'm doing this, or I should be finishing that before I start that, like the whole eat your vegetables before you get dessert thing. But for people who are motivated by dopamine, for example, mm -hmm. sometimes you have to eat the dessert first because otherwise you're never going to eat anything. And so like, if you take that yes. approach to storytelling, it actually can give you that kind of like jumpstart into the day that you need. That's my feeling. Anyway. I 
I love, yes, I think this is, this is something that I do myself and I, you've witnessed it, but, but, uh, yeah, like the way that I write books and this is, this sounds really pretentious whenever I say it, but like by the time that I'm finished with a first draft of a novel, it's most more likely actually like the fourth or fifth draft that I've done because I've been revising along the way. Whenever I get stuck and I don't know what to do, I know that I have made a mistake further on backwards. And so I have to revise that area. And I've also, especially, and I learned this when I was writing uh, Blinding Lights, um, I don't need to write chronologically either because I used to be insistent that I had to write chapter one until the end. That was how you wrote books. It took me until I was 26, I think, to figure out that I do not need to do that. And I can just write whatever I feel like writing. I can write the scenes that feel good to me in the moment. And the more that I follow those scenes, the more of those scenes will come. And it's kind of this wonderful, magical, you follow the cookie crumbs. And the more you follow, follow and eat the cookie crumbs, the more you will get until you find the cookies. I know that's not always a good thing because a lot of the time cookies and crumbs mean like wicked witch at the end. But in this case, it is in fact a good witch with like a finished project at the end. Well, so that actually, that actually brings up a question. And I don't know if this is, again, this might be an unpack and therapy thing or an ask later, but were you the kind of kid, I don't, this might've been a little too before for you, but were you the kind of kid who, when you were like in an English class and your Mm -hmm. teacher would say, turn in the rough draft and then go revise and turn it in. Did you ever do, yeah, you, you probably did that thing that I did, right? Where you turned in your first draft as like the final mm-hmm. and then you just went back and made a shittier version and turned that in first like that's yeah. what I would do literally because mm-hmm. my my first drafts because I was iterating in my head so much and like yeah. revising they looked like most people's uh-huh. final drafts that's like exactly what it was and I honestly there I've, I did have one teacher my entire life who understood it and she kept getting so mad at me because I wasn't turning stuff in because she was like you're turning in the end project, but I'm not seeing any of your work. And I finally, like, she was oh my, my, my first English teacher who was like my, my one true love. Every queer person knows this. They Every have queer person own. has an English teacher that they're infatuated with. It's a, yeah, this yeah. was mine. Exactly. So this was this person for me. And so like, and a math go, teacher who was your nemesis. Ha- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll weird. talk about that another day. Yeah, that's I, another yeah, we need to have a podcast about that. But yeah, uh, so, yeah. So this this particular teacher was like, I would go and spend like after school with her because I didn't want to go home. And so I'd chill for like 30 minutes in her office every day after class chatting with her. And she was finally like, Why? You, you like you have no reason not to be turning this stuff in. And I was like, you don't get it <laughs> because this is my first and my last draft. And it is that like, it's as good as the other last... drafts were e- ephemeral. They were not written exactly. down, but they existed. They, they were, were up there. there. Yeah. Yep. They're exactly. In there. And like, as soon as I explained to her that I was like, what you don't understand is that I didn't need like that much time to do it because I'd been spending all of this time thinking about it. Like it's been there the whole entire time. God, this is such a good segue. Good job. Good job. Thank uh, you. I try. Yeah. Like, yeah, you did real good. But literally, you let the subconscious her, take the wheel. You were like, was, yeah, yeah. Lizard, it. take the wheel. It did its thing. But yeah. And so now actually this does segue perfectly. But I explained that like I had done all of the thinking and I'd gotten there and you were just seeing my final draft because there was no physical rough draft. And she was like, oh, OK. 
well, now that you've explained that, that makes a lot more sense. And so she stopped actually like getting mad at me for not turning things in because of Less but, teachers like that. Thank God for that. It only lasted the one year, but God damn, my freshman yeah. year of AP English was like heaven. <laughs> That's such a freaking yeah. mood. We'll, we'll have to touch back right? on that. We'll have a whole episode about the people that influenced us for better or worse. Cause like there's definitely it. that, but t- so t- oh, let's yeah. talk more about that because I know you yeah. have a lot of hacks for how to let the, I like this terrarium lizard, I think that I'm, I'm going to run with it. Like you've got your little terrarium, you've got your lizard brain. You're going to get an iguana. You can be an iguana. That's a type of lizard as far as I'm concerned. So like, how do you let the lizard to have the iguana take the wheel? Okay. So I'm going to make that into a meme, by the way. Oh, good. Let's do it. So my iguana likes to think, (laughs) obviously most ADHD people that I'm aware of have lots of things going on in their brain at any given time. And the smallest indication of anything can set off a domino effect of thoughts. So what I like to do is I like to give the iguana some time to do what it likes to do. I personally think anytime that you are thinking about your story, anytime that you are literally spending just like vibing with the characters in your brain for whatever reason, that counts as writing, that counts as creativity, that it may not be on the page, but you have no idea how much work you are doing subconsciously at any given second, especially with how much your brain is processing at like we have completely different brains than neurotypical people and our brains do not process things the same. And even knowing that in both a neurotypical and a neurodivergent person's mind, they do have subconscious thoughts about their creativity at any given time. That's how light bulb and eureka moments happen for geniuses. Like it's just what it, it's just the way it is. However, I personally have a few different actual physical ways that I like to try to force myself into the moment. So one of the funniest recommendations is actually meditation. <laughs> and I don't want you to think that I'm going like mindful coach here with you. I'm not trying to get you to not think when I say meditation in this way. I mean, put yourself in a vibe like with your characters, put on that character playlist. Even if you're not listening to it when you're writing, listen to it when you're not writing so that you can vibe and like get ideas from that. But Put it on while you're meditating and then just vibe for 20, 20 minutes before your writing session. Close your eyes, put like blinders on one of those sleep masks. That's what I used to do. Sleep mask, headphones, sit in my desk 20 minutes and just do nothing but listen to the music and envision my characters. I can get so many scenes just from vibing and listening to songs that like I have connected to my characters for no reason. But like, I know that there is something there. And that's one of my favorites, taking a bath, doing something very similar, but just like literally chilling in either silence or with like a fan noise on. You have no idea how much that stimulates your brain. (laughs) You call it meditation. I call it intentionally dissociating, which that works too. Or or what is it? What is it? They call it maladaptive daydreaming. Well, yeah, well, there. So I don't want to call it maladaptive daydreaming necessarily because that is. I an say that with thing. air quotes. Yeah, but yeah, like- it, it is. It is essentially a process to get you into a state of maladaptive daydreaming because that is something that I personally have experienced and I, like. I'm do have, pro. I don't know if that's yeah. like PC to say. I'm pro that. I am a. <laughs> I am a proponent. I'm saying just so you know, there's. I'm saying this in a non-pejorative way, like that's maladaptive reasonable. daydreaming. I don't, I don't, I don't think know is really the, wrong. 
I I truly wish that like that I think that's just being a writer like literally that's yeah like I think I think they call it man adaptive because it's or they call it bad you know mal is Spanish for bad because it's not helpful for capitalism but like come on exactly like I'm sorry people who used to tell stories for like the entertainment of their entire society were some of the most important people in the world and you don't just like sit around and come up with those you I mean, know? you do. You literally I mean, you sit do, around like, and come up with those. I mean, yeah, it's just, I guess, yeah, you just, I mean, like, you gotta just, like, you can't do it with a job. <laughs> That's what I mean. You can't just, like, fuck it. You need, you need the time to sit around and come up, come up with those is what I actually meant to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. And trust, I promise you, I promise you, I'm not going to go off on a rant on who in our society is allowed to have a sit around and think job and who is not. We'll do mm-hmm. that a different time. We're not going to go there. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying that the, the rules are made up and it's important to remember that, that the rules, the rules are made up. But yeah, I think ultimately the the TLDR for this specific session is you need to allow your brain time to run amok and just have fun. Like, yes, just do whatever you want to do in your mind in relation to your characters. If you need something to get you started, go to Tumblr, look up some writing prompts, go ahead and just take a few of those tags that sound funny. Imagine your characters in that, have your music in and let your mind go crazy. And then 20 minutes later, sit down, see how you feel, put your hands on the keyboard. If you don't feel good, if you didn't, if that wasn't helpful, that's okay. You can walk away and come back later because you don't have to write every day. Yeah. I'm a a huge believer in that as well. That's one of the number one pieces of advice that we both kind of roll our eyes at. But also Mm -hmm. I love what you said about, is it fun? I literally have that on my mom's a big vision board person. She's also very like big in meditation, which is probably Mm -hmm. why I, I go against those terms. Cause I'm like, no, I need a more logical, I'm using it. It's logical way. You know, I'm the woo woo one. I'm the Capricorn, the Uber Capricorn here, but I, I will, I like literally made my mom's like make a vision board. And I made one and literally I had to make myself, this is how Capricorn I am. I had to put a post-it note on my board saying, where is the fun in all, all calf, big question mark, because that's, something I forget, you know? Exactly. And honestly, that's part of the reason why we even decided to do this podcast was that we just had fun talking to each other. And we thought that the conversations we have, while they are not only fun, are actually important for us and could be important for other people. And so literally the entire basis of what we're doing is, is it fun? Yeah, let's keep doing it. And that is something that is not appreciated enough. And I will say is like, has in the last few months alone, we've had like, we're at the end of the pandemic. We've all had some, you know, hiccups in our creative paths, etc. Um, I like had some publishing stuff. So did V. And now I'm just kind of at the point where I look back and I'm like, you know what? I don't really care about any of the stuff that happened because now I'm having fun with all of my projects and I am focusing on like the craft for the enjoyment of it and not for any other purpose at the moment. And I'm to the point where I don't really want to pay attention for any other purpose other than my craft. Like, yes, there are certain things that I want to do with it, but ultimately if I'm not having fun with my writing, if I'm not having fun with my craft and with like the work that I'm really putting into it, there's no point for me to do it. There's no point for me to even want to be published because if I'm not having fun, nobody else is going to have fun either. (laughs) 
one, it's definitely going to get less fun in proportion to the more, like, this is the other thing is when people start out just being like my whole life, I was chasing the next thing and the next thing. And it's like, every time you got past the next thing, it's like, oh, it's still really hard. Shit. Uh, I thought it was going to be better. Uh, it's going to get harder. Oh. And so if you're not having fun, it really does get like this soul sucking progress. What that actually brings me back to, I think the next, my, I think my final point, actually my final pointer, and that is touch the art, which as you know, uh, you know, I, I struggle being as my therapist says, very thinky, you know, as a (laughs) Capricorn, uh, someone who really, likes to think deeply about things. And sometimes that's not always a positive. And so, you know, that's saying touch grass, like to go out and remember. Um, So this is my last kinesthetic creator hack for the day. Sometimes I need to touch the art in order to understand Mm -hmm. the art. We can refer to this as chaotic arts and cracks, crafts, crack, (laughs) creative (laughs) arts and crack, chaotic arts and crafts, if you want. Wow. Don't do crack, kids. Um, But it's basically, you know, using physical tools that are visual and interactive, like what I like to call a murder board, if you will. Oh, yay. So this is just one of my favorite tools that I have shown you, and I will will make an example. But so even though I'm a planner by trade, plotting is ironically my least favorite thing, which I've talked about a little bit. That being mm-hmm. said, I don't believe in pantsing. And I know you're mm-hmm. getting mad about this. It, it might be my toxic trait. Oh, no, we've talked about this. Yeah. I know that you technically don't believe in it, but that's I, okay. I, it's not I like Santa Claus. I think that people who write good stories and claim that they don't ever plot is a form of propaganda. I feel like you're either plotting in your head or like you said before, your subconscious is doing it for you. Okay. Like in that fairy tale where the elves cobble the shoes at night. No, and, and that's that, very reasonable however i just don't think that pantsing and plotting necessarily like i don't think pantsing means that you don't ever plot it just well, means see, that you don't have the is. same because version of an when, outline as every yeah, other person. yeah so this like, is where i think you're right i think you're yeah, using pantsing as in you just do it like you yeah, just do the thing which exactly. is not what i've heard people say pantsing as which is like i think they don't plan anything <laughs> Yeah, no, people completely misunderstand, I think, what pantsing actually is, thinking that they're doing something one way and then no, it's it's just not how it goes. I'm I I well, I'm willing I'm to sorry, I'm willing will to keep, like yeah. be open about it. I'm trying exactly. not to make this my, you know, this is not my my sticking point. I'm not gonna die on this hill. Um yeah, I just also wanted you to know I wasn't gonna die on this hill either. No, because no, I, didn't I know, have I know. This was not trust me. I promise you, I, I knew this when I wrote this down before as like I promise you, I'm not making this point at you. Um, (laughs) but I do think as, as an agent, I was constantly going to conferences and giving workshops and people would like proudly announce, you know, like, and it's always like New York times bestselling authors who would like proudly announce like, oh, I never plot anything. And it's like, listen, I'm sorry, but you do not have like 10 books that are out that your that your editors and your publisher were all like, yeah, this totally, you know, hits the genre beats for what you're trying to do and all this, whatever, you know, I'm just saying, I feel like it's a poor form of propaganda because of how many people do it after they're successful. And it's like they forgot, you know, how the work it took to get there. But I just want to say that if you have a summary for your book, you have some sort of a vague outline. Yeah, you totally do. So, so like, like again, so it's, even it's, if you're pantsing and you have a summary, that's that's kind of an outline. And we're not here, you know, we're not you here to pants police people. We're not no, here no, I'm to, saying, to like, stop police. I'm not calling or, them plotters. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. that, like, no, yeah, this, there it is, is to a point. So I may have started some shit unintentionally here, but what basically my point being is that everyone plots <laughs> in some ways, but just for some people, like me, for example, it might not always look like plotting to the outward observer, unless, and this is where the unless comes in. You make a murder board and I'm going to tell you how 
because it's hilarious. So here's the fastest and easiest way to make a murder board for any given project. So you take a door in your house. Mine is the back of my office door or the door to the linen closet. You just open a door. Like if you want it to be obviously a door that's like not used a lot, like in, you don't make it your front door, but like a closet or something. If you have cats like we do, you want it to be somewhere where you can close the door so the cats can't rip shit down off of it. Okay. This is no, I understand the logic now. Yeah, I the was logic, just trying to figure yeah. out why not just so, a wall. <laughs> yeah, no. So you could do a wall, but again, the cats will fuck it up. So figure out the next step after you figure out your space is you figure out what type of story you're writing. So like, is it a three act structure, a five act structure? If it's a genre story, you know, what are the genre beats? Every genre has beats, even if they're super freaking vague. Um, you know, even if it's like call to action, that can mean pretty much anything, but put it on the board. So you're going to get some masking tape. You're going to mark off the door vertically into sections, into acts, like from top to bottom or bottom to top, whatever works best for you. You're going to get a bunch of post-it notes or even tape some three by five cards to the door. If you really want to lean into the aesthetic of like just really unhinged level of just physically plotting, you can color code the note cards by character. Or if you're doing like multi-POV like Ray does all the time, or you can even use like different size or shape of cards to signify plot events versus emotional events or use them for major turning points in the story, whatever you want. There is no rule to making a murder board, except that it makes sense to you. It's like that Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia meme, where it's like, no one else has to be able to look at this and know what the fuck is going on, but you kind of do. So if you don't know what beats are for your, for your, like your genre that you're writing, just Google it. Genre beats horror, genre beats romance, rom-com beats, whatever. And you'll almost always find millions of lists on the internet of like, here's the major eight beats. And then you can kind of take them, learn them, and then use what works for you. Uh, Save the Cat has tons of free beat sheets by story type on their website. You can always practice comparing and contrasting stories you're already familiar with by pacing and beats until you get the hang of it. Basically, you're just going to take all that stuff and just throw it up on your murder board slash door. And then you're mm. going to move it around. You're going to pick up the you're going to pick up the posty notes and you're going to be like, oh, this character's POV comes in and somewhere in this part of the act, like doesn't even matter. No chapters. There are no chapters or scenes in the murder board. It's just a fucking big picture, like crazy arc. So this is going to train your brain that nothing is permanent. It's going to teach you as a story planner to embrace the chaos. If you want to get like a little bit nerdy about it and you want to string things together with yarn to show cause and effect between like plot point this and plot point that so that, you know, they're connected while you move them around, feel free. This is an exercise. So there's not really a wrong way to do it. But the idea of the murder board is to figure out what works for you by trial and error and let yourself get messy. So for me, the more I learned how to take a step back and look at all stories from a functional point of view, the less precious I started to become about words on the page. It's also, at least for the way my brain works, a lot less overwhelming to see of like a huge mass of color-coded post-it notes that I can move around and touch and feel um, than, than it is for me to stare at a large black and white mass of like 300 pages of text that only makes sense if you like squint and read all the words. So again, this might be a nightmare for some people, but if it, if it appeals to you and you think, hey, that might be fun, why not give it a try? This is how I physically hack my story planning process. And it's kind of like planning a heist, which for legal reasons, I should say that I have not actually done in real life. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad that we're already hitting one of the D's. <laughs> Good job, V. So now that's the uh, second D. Oh, that is that's true. We're, that's the second D. This of the is episode. a level three D podcast. Episode. Oh god damn! Oh god damn! <laughs> the chaos is ensuing. Okay, on that note, because I 
love your murder board idea. However, I did want to specify that there are other ways if you are not a physical person or you can't handle this level of mess or intensity, there are programs that will help you do some do stuff like this. Scrivener, I know I hawk about it every other freaking like episode, but Scrivener does allow you to essentially use the corkboard feature and do some very similar stuff. I am I do that exact thing, except I usually do it after I've written scenes. So I will like write cookie scenes and not have any idea where they're going or what the transition needs to be and go back and be like, oh, you know what? This actually could work really well as an emotional beat up here. So let's shift things around. And because of how I'm able to write all of my scenes in Scrivener, I can do that super, super, super easily, literally with just clicking buttons and stuff. So if you are not the sort of person who likes a physical murder board, but you still like the idea of it, Scrivener can do that. And that same company does have a specific outlining program as well that also allows you to make like cork board murder board things. And it is literally like one of the only like points of the entire program. And I believe that's called Scapel, um, but it is made by the same, same people who do Scrivener too. So just in case you don't have the ability to, you know, use an entire wall, say you have roommates, whatever, you're in a studio apartment, who knows what, um, but you do want to still use these things. They are available, you know, in the internet world. <laughs> and that's, that's very true. And there's also a bunch of other programs that I've used, like they're, you know, Kanban boards are a very common thing. Um, you can even use a sauna. You can use a lot of like spreadsheets if you want to get crazy. For me, that was an example of like how I want to literally touch the art. In oh, yeah, that no, case. I think that makes a lot of sense. But, and I but love I will it. Say, yeah, there's definitely like, not as kinesthetic Yeah, for organization. But because, because I think that's a really good way of, um, you know, because the whole point of this episode is talking about kind of like, how to make it less daunting, right? Like how to make yourself feel more comfortable and accessible. getting in. Yeah. And accessible. Right. So also this brings us really back into that point we talked about before, which is what feels the most, um, what's the opposite of formidable, like the most, the most accessible, I guess, and like comfortable for you and mm-hmm. understanding that and working with that instead of against it, I think is the whole point of all of our tips that we're giving. Because if yeah. you hear a tip that we're giving you today and you go, Oh, that sounds horrible. Definitely don't do it. Right. Avoid it at all costs. I don't. Yeah. Please do not try to overstimulate your brain like me. If you do not need to have like white noise and music on in the same headphones, that's too much for so many people. I don't blame you. It's a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't need anybody to do that. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, working with, with your brain instead of against your brain, I think is just the TLDR uh, is what I'm picking up at least. And the lizard that I'm going to make, I'm going to draw the lizard later. I've decided. Um, but yeah, what do we have any, we'll definitely have references that we'll post trying to think of any other ones that put the programs you mentioned, we'll post those as well. Yep. But otherwise I think, uh, you have your project management stuff that you're going to be posting in the resource area and the VARC information. Um, and I guess probably a murder board example, but you can probably just use the Charlie day gift. So, yeah. So before we sign off, uh, or perhaps now it is part of our sign off, we must never forget the most important housekeeping that we do here at AU city. These D's take it away. Need for V. We're not calling them my D's. They're everyone's D's. Nope. They're your D's now because it worked. (laughs) (laughs) The the disclaimer of of the season under title 17, section 107 of the United States code governing copyright, fair use allowances made for purposes such as criticism, comment, teaching, scholarship, education, and research in cases where we feature AU fanfic, which we did not this episode, but you know, we talk about 
things that were not written by us, or if we talk about fanfic that was written by us about things we don't own, it's always going to be with permission from the authors. Um, these will always be nonprofit, educational, and for informational purposes only. That is the overall D for AUC, but we'll include more detailed disclaimers as needed. Since the intention with this podcast is to critique and learn from intellectual property together, never to appropriate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, V. And thank you again for joining us today. This has been AU City, a podcast where we let our neurodivergence loose and never stop fucking around and finding out. We've been your co-hosts, Ray Noble and V Park. If you've liked what you've listened to today, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And as always, our most important call to action, stay weird and never apologize for asking questions. Also, embrace your chaos in an intentional way and order your process by what works best for you, not by arbitrary rules that someone else made up. 